want to learn how to see and share Jesus from all of Scripture, well, learn with us at the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast. Welcome to the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast. I'm Josh Redberg, filling in for Nate Aiken. Today I'm joined on the podcast by the true and better Aiken, John, and by Jeff Hay. Jeff is the pastor of Bally Collin Church in Dublin, Ireland. He's joined us for many episodes in the past, and we're glad to have him back here with us for Hebrews 3. John, Jeff, today is the 101st episode of the Christ-Centered Clear podcast. Can you believe it? It's gone quickly. Yeah, I think John has probably, I'm sure, been on the most episodes. Are there any episodes you haven't been on, John? Uh, there's been a couple, I think, but I can't recall off the top of my head which ones they are. Obviously, the preaching episodes I'm not on when it's somebody specific preaching. Yeah. And maybe one of the difficult passages ones I think I was off, but uh, I've been on most. Well, And then the intro to Hebrews, I was I was not on that one. Oh, that's right. It was just Nate, Matt, and I. I know at this point you've probably doubled the number of episodes your brother's been on since he has disappeared into the wormhole, and we hope someday to see him again. <laughs> well, John, we're focusing on the first six verses of chapter three today, and they flow out of this one command in verse one to consider Jesus. Before we look at that, help us think how this passage builds on what we learned in chapter two the last few weeks. Well, really, the the way it's building on the entire the entire book. So this this theme of Jesus being better than everything that's come before um, is you know yeah. obviously one of the key themes. And so now he's going to shift uh, his attention to Moses, who obviously is a a looming figure for Old Covenant uh, in the Old Covenant. Um, and so he's going to shift to that. And so the, really the, the whole idea of the book of Hebrews, I, I, when I was younger in ministry, I got into it one time with, and I say got into it, I got into a playful discussion with our, our, our worship pastor because there was a, a, a worship song that we sang that said about Jesus in the chorus, you're my all, you're the best, you're my joy, my righteousness, and I love you, Lord. I can't remember the exact name of the song, but I'm, I'm mm. sure everybody recognizes that one. He didn't like that you're the best. He said that sounded trite. And so he changed it to you're my all, you're my rest. Uh, and I was like, yeah, it sounds like the book of Hebrews, bro. <laughs> and uh, so we got into a nice little discussion about that. He also changed in the days of Elijah. Th th these are the days of your servant, um, David to son of David, because he, he didn't, he thought that that was conflating David and Jesus. I was like, well, Ezekiel says David will return. But anyways, so we, we used to get into those yeah. discussions a lot, which I'm sure doesn't surprise anybody. Um, yeah. So Jesus Jesus is better, that song wouldn't, he'd like that one even less. I don't know. That's a great question. But, but he's not is, the best. He is the best, though. That's that's what, you know, in, or to Keller's language of the true and better. Um, yeah. But that, so, so um, but he's also building on, in the immediate context, um, as we talked about last time, this this introduction of uh, the idea of being a, a faithful high priest, and so he's he's building on that. He he talks about Jesus, who is the apostle and high priest of our confession, uh, in order to set yeah. up his you know the, the the a little bit of it's obviously the same argument throughout the book, but he's he's bringing in different aspects here at this point. Yeah, 
Jeff, talk about that particular description of Jesus, the apostle. We've we've introduced high priest last week, and certainly in coming weeks we'll we'll exhaust that description, high priest, because it becomes such a dominant theme in the book. But what about the apostle um, of our confession, or just the apostle, either the apostle of our confession or the apostle? Why does why does the writer of Hebrews use this particular description um, for Jesus? Yeah, it's interesting. By the way, I can't get the songs out of my head as all that's going through me at the minute <laughs> and how picky his music director guy was, but there you go. Uh, back to this. I mean, Apostle, from what I know, is just like small A being used here. He is the, the sent one uh, by God, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and that's really all that I'm talking about in chapter three. Yeah, maybe building upon even what we saw in chapter one, right, that Jesus being the sort of full and final revelation of God, so the one who brings the message from God. Anything you'd add on that, John, on the idea of Jesus being our apostle? Yeah, I think just the same thing. I mean, Jesus obviously builds on this in terms of um, our calling, right? As the Father sent me, so send I you um, kind of language. But yeah, he's he's the one, I mean, to, to use the language we've been using the last couple episodes, um, you know, ahead of us, not instead of us kind of language. Yeah. He's, he's the one who was sent by the father uh, first. And, and as our high priest is, we're going to see that pioneer language of the one who's blazing the trail as the mm-hmm. sent one as the high priest uh, into the Lord's presence. And so, um, you know, that that's the only way that we can share in the heavenly calling. That's the only way that we can hold on to our confession um, you know, he's, he's talking about here is because of his, his going before us. Yeah. Human religion is built upon our attempts, right? To build favor with God. Jeff, thinking about verse one, how does the verse one separate the message of Christianity, the gospel from human attempts to build favor with God? That's the complete opposite, isn't it? We are, uh, by nature, people who want to achieve things ourselves, and the gospel mm-hmm. is the complete opposite. In fact, it's also, even though this is written to Christians and the gospel is going to be expounded through and through, as Christians even, I think, get allergic to grace, uh, we mm. keep uh, reverting back to works. And so yeah. we need to hear the gospel, which is God coming down, sent to rescue us, not us going up to, to God to rescue ourselves. And so this is something we constantly need to hear, and it is in complete contradiction to what everybody thinks. Yeah. John, he moves in verse 2 to this introduction of Moses. Why is this important to his audience? Because Moses again is the um, is the um, the looming figure over the old covenant. Um, you know, he's the he's the savior, really, that the Lord savior and Lord, honestly, uh, ruler uh, that that the Lord raises up to bring them out of Egypt mm-hmm. to bring them to Sinai, where they they you know consecrate this covenant with the Lord and uh, are formed as a nation, now have laws that govern them and all, all of these different things that, that happen at Sinai. And it all happens through, uh, through Moses. And he's highlighting here uh, Moses' faithfulness under the old covenant 
so it's so you know it's a, again one of those things that we need to be very clear about that, that there was nothing uh, wrong with the old covenant, there was nothing wrong with the laws. Mm-hmm. The incompleteness was in us, um, you know, and so that's yeah. why it, it was a pointer to something better. Um, but it wasn't it wasn't better because like it, that, like that there was something you know wrong about it. And the other thing that I find really um, remarkable here, and we're going to see this throughout the book and obviously in, in Hebrews 11 as well, where, where God commends um, the faith of people in the Old Testament, uh, this, this depiction of Moses as being faithful is striking to me because uh, that he, there, are, there is Numbers 20 where he is mm-hmm. unfaithful yeah. and he misses out on the promised land as a result of that. And yet, when when God looks back here, he he doesn't. There's no, you know. It reminds me of Romans eight. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ yeah. Jesus. He he's deemed faithful because he did. He the Lord sent him, and he accomplished what the Lord sent him to accomplish. Uh, and so I think yeah. so. He's drawing on that image of Jesus being faithful as the captain of a new covenant. Moses being faithful as the captain of the under the old covenant. I like that idea of the captain of the new covenant. Jeff, you see the comparison to Moses there in verse uh, verse 2, but then it seems like he moves to a contrast with Moses more in verses 3 through 5. So what what are some of the ways that Jesus is like Moses, but then also some of the ways that he's he's different, better, more than Moses? Yeah, so we've got this compare and contrast, like you get set up in English exams when you're younger, <laughs> doing those, yeah. see the, the difference, the better. And, and yeah. Jeff, do they speak English in Ireland? I thought that was just what we taught in America. Well, we, we're, we're trying our best. I, I feel miserably, <laughs> but there you go. I only learned English grammar when I did Greek and realized what it was all about. We, we get taught badly last that's year in Ireland. That's the same thing that's true here in America. <laughs> well... Yeah. I'm not so sure, but anyway, yeah, uh, Jesus is just so much better in all these ways Mm -hmm. to to Moses. Uh, He is the builder of a house. Uh, Every house is builder. Moses was faithful in God's house. He was just a servant. Uh, Moses was just a servant. Jesus is the son in God's house. So he is seen as better in these ways uh, and and that's why given more honor and glory and and the big contrast is of course moses was the hero of the jewish people of the old testament yeah. and for jesus to be better in these ways just set up trust in him mm-hmm. yeah and this compares right to chapter one when we were um one and two when we were talking about angels jesus being better than angels and now here better than moses as well John, any significance to the illustration of builder here? Anything that this is alluding to, or is it just, is the point just as simple as he's the builder, Moses was not? I do think that there is um, significance to builder. Now, I don't, I don't know that I would do anything specific, but obviously he's, so God, when he references God being the builder of all things, God is the creator and salvation, mm-hmm. uh, both in the there's glimpses of this in the old covenant, but certainly in the new covenant, salvation is presented as a new creation. Right? This is it's yeah. a redemption of creation. It's 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 building a new creation. That's why you do have. I do think there's probably some inference here 
at Sinai, when the old covenant is being created, Moses is given instruction and then other men do it, but they build the tabernacle, which is a, which is mm-hmm. intentionally patterned after Eden. Right. And this is a, this is a, right. a microcosm of new creation. Um, but, but he, he's just, you know, that, that Jesus is the one who, who builds uh, the house in terms of he's the one who accomplishes new creation and, and all those images he uses mm-hmm. of being servant in the house. But, it, but he also, you know, um, the builder of the house has more honor than the, than, you know, has um, more than the house itself. So Moses is being um, compared here to the house, which is, and then, and then mm-hmm. we're, we're called the house there at the end, if we hold fast to our confession. So it, it, it reminds me of like first Corinthians 10 of being th- th- those who were baptized into Moses um, mm. crossing the Red Sea and then us being baptized into Christ. Um, and, and so we're, we are part of, we are part of the house. And so there's just, there's a lot of really intriguing Im- imagery there, but yeah, I think the main thing he's talking about is that God's the creator. He's the builder of all things. Uh, that's true in terms of creation. That's also true in terms of new creation. So this, this is built upon the sort of this somewhat simple here comparison between Jesus and Moses. Uh, he'll he'll continue that metaphor in different places throughout the book, but it's based upon this one command in verse one, right? Is to consider Jesus. I know different translations use a different verb there, but Jeff, why do Christians need this reminder to consider Jesus? How would you apply that command uh, to the Christians that you teach? This is the A. BC of the gospel uh, that Keller and others would have said, Christians don't just need it to become a Christian. We need to consider Jesus to keep going as a Christian. Mm. And that will be this uh, theme throughout the book of Hebrews to keep persevering, keep trusting. And we can only do that whenever we properly focus on and remember who Jesus is. I mean, that's why church, not only are we to preach and point to Christ in our sermons, we're to take the Lord's Supper, we're to consider mm-hmm. Jesus all the time because it will be the fuel for our faith to keep us going, to keep our hearts warmed as we see Jesus more and more. Yeah. John, how else would you encourage people to put this practice, this command into practice? Well, I do think, um, so So one, like there's, a, there's this textual, biblical, theological of the, the contrast between as great as Moses was uh, and all the things that God used him to do, Christ is better. And so yeah. to, to, to reflect upon the excellencies of Christ uh, above men, um, I, you know, so I think even today, I, there was this conversation that we had in chapel that I was a part of. And, um, you know, one of the questions, there was like a and a with students. And one of the questions that came up is how, how do you, how do you balance the Christian faith with people who have done harsh and harmful things in the name of Christianity? Um, hmm. you know, how do, how do you, how do you speak to somebody who's been hurt in that way? And I just, I just remember, um, when, um, when we were kids, my dad telling the story of us going to a restaurant after church on a Sunday. And, um, my dad tried to strike up a conversation with the waitress and, um, he was like, how are you doing today? And, and she just was like, not happy and said, 
well, it's Sunday, isn't it? And he said, well, what's wrong with Sunday? And she said, well, that's when all the Christians come in. And he said, well, what's wrong with that? You know, and just kind of further putting his foot in his mouth. And she pulled a track out of her apron and said, this, this won't feed my kids and then stormed off. Mm. And wow. my dad at later, you know, was like, oh, great. I, you know, I messed up or whatever and, and pulled her aside at the end. And he gave her a generous tip and he just said, Hey, listen, I just, I want to apologize to you for every Christian who's ever been rude to you or mistreated you or been stingy or whatever. I, you know, cause I can promise you this, if Jesus were here and you were waiting on him, he would be nothing but kind. He would be nothing but considerate and he would be very generous. And, um, and so I think that's, so that contrast of as great as men of God can be, um, and as much as you can learn from them, they will let you down. But Jesus will never yeah. let you down. So to make sure your focus is on him, that would be like one practical way that I would probably try to get at this. Yeah. It seems too he's connecting our identity as Christians in verse one to this command to consider Jesus and how it's, you know, seeing Jesus repeatedly looking at him that reminds us of who we are. Cause so many of those things, right? A holy brothers and sisters sharing a heavenly calling, those are from chapter two which are accomplished because Jesus went before us. And so like, it's interesting considering Jesus seems to be a remind us of who we are, a reminder of our identity. Reminds me of the silver chair, that book in the Narnia series where, you know, you have this prince who's put under a spell where 23 hours a day, he forgets his identity. And so that, that's just sort of how he exists. But the one hour a day, he remembers he has to be tied to the silver chair. But just the point is that when he forgets who he is, uh, he's just lost. And when we forget who we are in Christ, you know, we too, we sort of, we wander mm -hmm. and stumble through life. And this reminder that when we look at Christ, then we also understand who we are. Jeff, at Christ Center and Clear, our goal is to help people preach Christ from all of Scripture. How does verse 1 encourage preachers to consider how they're, pre how they're preaching? what they're preaching about. Well, I think Hebrews is, and it's probably been talked about in the previous sessions, a uh, sermon itself. And we see yeah. uh, a word of exhortation as it's described at Hebrews 13. And so we see the, the writer uh, mm -hmm. calling the, the people to continually consider Jesus at various points, really expounding him yeah. and then uh, applying Christ to them. Uh, and so if this is a sermon uh, that is inspired by Scripture, I think it, it helps to give us a model. Let's see how the text ex explains Jesus, and then let's call people to look at him and consider him and see how your life is to change in response to that. Yeah. And so, John, you would say that's only in text from the New Testament that we consider Jesus, right, John? <laughs> not not in text from other places in Scripture. Yeah, no. Because um, clearly <laughs> the author of Hebrews is not taking that advice, and uh, he's he's looking at all these texts. Some of them, and again, we can. everybody's like, well, he's a Spirit-inspired writer, some of these are not obvious connections, as we talked about from Psalm 8 and yeah. other places. And so, no, I think I, I do think that this is instructive, and we talk about making it clear. It means pastors should preach 
Jesus-centered, Jesus-filled sermons every week. If yeah. There's no way your people are going to consider Jesus if they're not constantly being confronted with Jesus. It means, as much as I made fun of the music director earlier, that 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 being a music director is not just about picking songs that are singable. Um, although mm-hmm. you should, like you should pick songs that right. are congregationally singable and, and try to do your best to do that. But it also means that they need to be Jesus centered, gospel centered songs. Uh, you need to be doing the ordinances on a regular basis. Uh, so they mm-hmm. see Jesus in baptism. They see Jesus and can c- consider him in the, in the table. Um, it means that you need to be reading scripture daily. Um, you know, so so those kinds of things, are, the only way you're going to consider Jesus is if you have a, a prayer life of meditation, scripture reading, the regular, you know, rhythms of the church. Um, and so we need to make sure that, like, that's what I, I would tell people, gospel songs, gospel sermons, gospel ordinances. Um, that's how we keep Jesus front and center in our church. Yeah, and that's what it says in verse 6, right? It's this considering Jesus that it gives us... Uh, a confident hope yeah. and and a boasting um, in our hope. Jeff, boasting in our hope. Let's sort of end by thinking about that phrase. What does it mean to boast in our hope? Verse six. So talking to God's people who uh, we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Yeah, this is really fine did on the gospel i mean we're not to boast in anything except jesus christ and he is our hope he's our reason and so that's where the boasting is it's not obviously uh the bad boasting the prideful boasting that we do in fact to boast in our hope is to boast in jesus is to boast in the fact that we are unworthy sinners Mm -hmm. and christ is our only hope so we boast in him yeah. And this is part of what it means to consider him. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening to the Christ Center Clear podcast. Join us next week as we finish chapter three, a warning about the danger of unbelief. And we see how Christian community helps us endure in the faith. Thank you for listening to the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast. If you have questions or topics or texts you would like us to consider for future podcasts, please contact us at ChristCenteredAndClear at gmail.com and please visit us at ChristCenteredAndClear.com for more resources.